0: Hi there and welcome to the Love Six Scribe Podcast, where we talk about biblical
1: truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill and I am the Love Six Scribe. Have you ever been doing your daily routine things, whether driving or you know cleaning or whatever, and God starts to speak to you through simple things that are right in front of your face? Well that happened to me the other day. So one day this past week, I was driving along, and I was praying and worshiping and talking to the Lord. And I look over all of a sudden on the right side of the road, and I see this yield sign, this big yellow sign, and it says, Watch for fallen rocks. Now, to most people, that would seem like a really simple thing. They wouldn't think much about it. But there's times that I see I prophetic things. And a lot of different symbols and stuff around me and God speaking to me. And that that symbol, that um, sign that I saw, started speaking to me. God started speaking to me through that sign when I saw Watch for Fallen Rocks. And it reminded me of those that have stumbled or they've fallen away in the body of Christ. And that God is calling His people. He just started piercing my heart and talking to me about how He wants to restore those that have fallen away and that he wants his body to function in the business of restoration and reconciliation back to him.
0: Well, in case you're wondering what you just heard, that was actually me several years ago back in 2018 when I was doing a short clip for a show I was asked to be a part of for, I think, about a year or so. There were different people that came on that gave what were called prophetic updates. And I have to say, after listening to that now, it is a cringeworthy moment for me and i wanted to talk about this particular subject today not necessarily about myself though i'm going to be included in this and and the reason why i want to do this is because there may be some people that this really hits home with them Or it may be a touchy subject and you may be wondering why I'm saying something or if I'm attacking certain people that are acting in such a way and conducting themselves in such a way, why am I doing this? Or you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea how this works. I want to use myself as an example to humbly say I know very well what this is. This is dabbling in mysticism, and some people you can even find mysticism that's bleeding over into Gnosticism. It's almost this hidden knowledge, this secret knowledge. Mysticism, which we'll talk about just in a moment, there's people that identify as Christian mystics, and Christian mysticism is essentially looking inward and tapping into this a secret, hidden knowledge that God gives uh, in visitations, special revelations, and things like that to draw closer to Him and to have this union with with Christ, if you will. I, I'm going to talk about this today, and I'm going to share some other things that uh, some little things that I had written actually from a devotional that's no longer in uh, in print in to, in publication because I pulled it from being able to be purchased after I came out of this movement. But I wanted to talk about this today, and I I wanted to. To talk about it, to pose some things to consider uh, if you're one of these people that really uh, is drawn to this type of revelation, if you will, This and it is extra biblical revelation, and I know that some people may have questions about that. I get questions from time to time about that, but I want to talk about that too, and guide us again back to scripture, and to get you thinking on this, this is a really rampant practice in the charismatic church, I would say, is this leaning towards getting a special revelation from God, hearing the voice of God. Uh, granted, this is not exclusive to, to the charismatic church. I mean, this, is, this has gone on for a long time. There's even a, a book that I used to love to read. It was called The Lo- Lost Art of Practicing His Presence by James Gall, and he had actually included Brother Lawrence's book, Practicing His Presence, in this book. I used to love this book. I read it several times. I had pages dog-eared. I had areas that I had underlined. And I did not realize until much later within the past couple years that this book is really heavy in Christian mysticism. He even refers to, in the 14th, 15th, 16th century mystics then, a lot of them are Roman Catholic, had a Catholic background, and um, were known for having the stigmata, spiritual visitations, uh, hearing the voice of God, seeing God, that that they... uh, said that they did. There were a lot of these things that were appealing to personal experience, and this is not uncommon in the movement that I was that I was part of. Even in the charismatic church, I was probably more. I definitely was more in the hyper-charismatic New Apostolic Reformation, which which believes that apostles and prophets with governing authority are still in the earth today, and that they have to be restored in order for. Christ's kingdom to come back and to be able to, you know, take over the seven mountains and to engage in spiritual warfare and to have the type of prophetic worship and the type of dominion that we are to have as conquerors in Christ. So I was part of that movement. I can easily say for the hyper charismatic slash NAR uh, movement is that. Uh, Extra-biblical revelation, which means simply just means that it's outside the written Word of God, that we're trying to obtain revelation that's beyond the confines of Scripture, that we know, without a doubt, is the Word of God as believers in Christ. We do not dispute that. This extra-biblical revelation is relying on looking inward. I know that in that The Lost Art of Practicing His Presence, James Gall talked about that, about looking inward, about finding um, the answers that you're looking for. You have to find inward before they can can come outward, Uh, finding uh, answers in contemplative prayer, in the quiet times of your soul, in extravagant worship— And it goes, the list goes on and on with this, but it it essentially boils down to Christian mysticism. And you may be wondering, what is mysticism? In general practical terms, it's, it's the practice of experiential knowledge of God. And mysticism tends to focus on self and personal experience that can seem to be elite in nature, with secret or hidden knowledge, with dreams, visions, and essentially a mystical union with God. That is the ultimate, the pinnacle of Christian mysticism is this mystical union with God. I want to read to you off of a website. I have referred to this website recently. It's called the Center for Action and Contemplation. This is a website that is affiliated with Richard Rohr, which I mentioned recently on another podcast about the fourth member of the Trinity. They have this to say about the introduction to Christian mysticism on their website. It says a mystic is simply one who has moved from mere belief or belonging systems to actual inner experience of God. A mystic sees things in their wholeness, connection, and union, not only their particularity. Mystics get the whole gestalt in one picture beyond the sequential and separated way of seeing. A Christian is one who can see Christ everywhere else and even in oneself. If you want to find God, then honor God within you, and you will always see God beyond you. For it is only God in you who knows where and how to look for God. Saint embodies goodness, while mystics embody love. The mystic is not a special kind of person. Each person is a special kind of mystic. Again, this is on the website for Center for Action and Contemplation. And then they give a prayer of gratitude, of sitting in silence until it silences us, choosing gratitude until we are grateful and praising God until we ourselves are an act of praise. Mature prayer always breaks into gratitude, which some of this has a little bit of truth to it. But again, when you have a little bit of truth, it it can mask deception. It goes on to say that this week's practice is a body prayer. Adapt the movements to your body's needs so that you're comfortable. Focus simply on the feeling of gratitude. And as you are able, do the following as you read through the stanzas Bow, kneel, lie down, rise, put your hands over your heart, place your hands together, bow your head, and open your arms wide. And the, I'm not going to read the prayer to you, it's a little lengthy, but they go on to talk about calling out to different things such as holy sorrow, holy suffering, holy silence, holy passion, holy water. Holy creatures, holy earth. So, again, this is embracing panentheism. If you didn't listen to the fourth member of the Trinity episode, um, I encourage you to listen to it and see it. I hope you find it helpful. But this is throwing back not only to Christian mysticism, to panentheism. Which is not biblical. Um, We are not to find God in everything as they would have in their beliefs, as even as Christian mystics. All of that may sound very strange and foreign to some of you that are hearing this. However, to some of us, if you put some Christianese with it, it may try to pass as being something that's promoting more of like an intimacy with Christ. Case in point, I'm going to tell on myself from my former ways. The devotion that I had, uh, again, is no longer in print because I removed it. It was a a devotional that I had self-published several years ago, but it was called Moments in His Presence, and um, it's kind of embarrassing to read about this now, but this was based on journals that I kept, and I took 40 entries out of it. When I look at the entries now and the things that I told people to do, if you have this devotional, first of all, burn it. It'll make good kindling for, for fires, or you can throw it in the trash, maybe use it in some compost, I don't know, but this, this is something that is extra-biblical revelation. This is something that is not to be listened to. And I'm going to make some counter arguments about Christian mysticism slash the hidden knowledge and even Gnostics, if I'm not mistaken, Gnostics also believe that the the flesh was evil and that you really wanted to attain the highest spiritual level possible. And it also throws back to again to Secret hidden knowledge. It's always this thing of creating like this hierarchy or an elitist group that has the answers to things that's got the um, the intel with God, if you will, that they've had special revelation from God because they are so intimate and so close to God that they get all of this divine revelation from the Lord that nobody else gets. Yeah, we really need to be questioning this these things. We don't really need to be just taking these things at face value or listening to them and putting them on par with what we're really doing is we're putting them on par with Scripture would be an argument I would give. I want to read a few entries to you, but first in the introduction of this devotional, I gave instructions to people as far as they had places where they could write what they were hearing from God, where it says, I hear him say, It has very much of a passion translation-esque feel to it when you look at it. And it's no wonder, really, when I look at this and... Some of my old blog posts that are now no longer available. It's no wonder to me that I was contacted to potentially be part of writing the Bible studies for the Passion Translation. Now looking at this, thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank the Lord that he uh, helped me to see the truth and to grant me repentance. Some of the things I was telling people to do were the following. Each day to get alone with God in a quiet place, which there's nothing wrong with some of these things. There's nothing wrong with getting in a quiet place, worshiping the Lord, Nothing wrong with that. And then I said, invite Holy Spirit to speak to you during this time. Now, I don't know why it grates on my nerves now to hear people say Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. But I used to do this as well and leave off the Holy Spirit. I don't know why I used to do that. I don't know why people in these types of movements do that. I don't have an answer for you for that. But it is something that's done. Meditate on what he is saying to you through his word and the devotional. Now, that that can get a little sketchy because sometimes, as you'll see, I'm going to read something from an article to you here later on in this podcast, actually from a charismatic, that stresses some of the dangers in mysticism. Even though they may agree with some of the things such as meditating, which they don't believe in like a new age meditation, but it's more meditating on the word of God and spending time with the Lord. But they do talk about the dangers of mysticism that we'll cover. But this whole thing of sitting and seeing what he says to you through his word and the devotional, this is not about someone that's entertaining a Bible study, and that they're trying to find reputable Bible resources, commentaries, and other things to help them in their Bible study, or to understand the historical perspective, or the application, or the audience, or the author, or if it's a descriptive text versus a prescriptive text, and to try to understand somewhat of the Greek understanding, or the Hebrew understanding in there, the references, you know, it's not talking about that. This is focusing on Extra biblical revelation or reading into a text something that you believe that is hidden knowledge that's not there on the surface of the text. That's what this whole mystical thing is about, this Christian mysticism. Whether people realize it or not, and I didn't even realize I was doing this, I thought I was just drawing closer to the Lord. I thought I had intimacy with Christ, right? But what I was doing was in error. And seeing what he says through the devotional, through my journal entries, I didn't even realize this, but I was placing my journal entries on par with the Word of God. And the question now that I pose is Is what God says, or is God less authoritative today than he is in Scripture? See, that's the question that we really must be asking. Asking about this, because when people claim that God says and forgive me, but personally, I'm not going to accept the whole excuse of, well, I'm still learning to hear the voice of God when you're saying, well, God told me this, you are saying that with authority that God said this. And anything that God says is authoritative. Anything that God says is to not be disobeyed. It's not to be ignored. So when someone says, well, God said this, and then, for example, if it's a foretelling prophecy and it doesn't come to pass, you don't get a pass on that. You should be held accountable for saying something like that because you're ascribing something to God and you're putting his authority behind it. Otherwise, you wouldn't say God said it. Because when we say God said something, we deliberately mean to put authority behind it because we don't want it questioned and we want it to have substance to it to where we have the ultimate source backing us up, which is God. Again, I have repented of this error that I was in for doing this. But, you know, reading through this, it it is clear to me that this is an error. My... My devotional is not even close to being on par with Scripture. But this is the practice that will be done is that people will want to take a, a verse out of context and they'll want to try to read something into it that's hidden to have better intimacy with the Lord and make it more personal. I told the people to pray out loud to Jesus, whether you recite the daily prayer provided or you pray using your own words. There was power in prayer when we give it a voice to receive communion daily. And I've talked about communion uh, probably about a year ago, maybe in another podcast. So you can check that one out. But these were things that I told people to do. And so, you know, there were entries in here. Again, I'm not going to read all of them, but some people may hear this and they'll be like, I don't see anything wrong with that. That's so encouraging. But again, if I'm saying that God said this, then it's on par with scripture. And that Is in error to say such a thing because nothing can be added to the canon of scripture. But like on day four of this devotional, I was saying, releasing his fiery boldness from a journal entry in 2013, I hear him say, You are beautiful. Whenever I look at you, I see my son. I see myself. You are holding back. There is a well, a depth in you I long to excavate and release. Do not concern yourself with what people think of you. Fire is to be released from your belly and uttered from your tongue. Keep pressing. Pay no attention to naysayers. Do not change your profession, not even a little. Remain bold. I did not create you to be warm like an ember. I created you to be hot like a raging fire. Let me burn out hindrances. The veil is consumed. Dwell in my presence. Release it all to me. Sounds really vague, doesn't it? But it sounds even better when there's two... Bible verses at the bottom, Proverbs 28 and Acts 4, to refer to it, and then offering a little prayer at the bottom to kind of help see that if that solidifies it. But the beginning of it's supposed to help solidify it too, because I've said, Well, God said this to me. I wrote it in my journal, so it must be true. This, as soon as I realized the error that I was in, one of the first things I did was I pulled this. I, I took it out of publication and took it out of print for the reason why I did not want to deceive anybody else. And I even instructed people to, if they had my devotional, to burn it. Regardless if it encourages us emotionally, we need to be seeking after the truth. And quite frankly, anybody tries to say something extra biblical and then they say, well, just see if it, if scripture confirms it, then my question would be, why do I need to go to scripture to see if it confirms your extra biblical revelation if scripture already says it? I don't need your extra biblical revelation in order to, to know something like that. It's kind of like the, you know, recently a Again, the fourth person, the fourth member of the Trinity podcast I did, I was talking about a particular lady, which I'm going to play a clip of hers here in just a minute. I came across another clip. And this is another facet of this Christian mysticism that the way she talks, it reminds me so much of myself when I was in this movement. And this is why I have such compassion For her there's a couple of clips I'm going to play and it's not to be picking on her but it's to help us to see what this sounds like what Christian mysticism sounds like and what some of the thoughts are behind it of people saying things I remember hearing her talking about oneness in Christ and the four-leaf clover and what she said it was almost as if God she said that God was trying to teach her about oneness and being in Christ according to John 17 and I'm going why did we need that in order to know what scripture said why do we need God to come to someone and explain something that is already found in scripture? I'm not talking about going to the word of God and engaging in Bible study. I'm talking about someone making a claim that God came to them in a vision or a dream or or came in, Jesus came into their room and spoke to them face-to-face, or they heard an internal voice, which we don't see that in Scripture, actually. We we see the still small voice, for example, being something that was external, outside of Elijah. This is not an inward thing, and but with Christian mysticism, you will see that it is an inward thing. It is going inside of you to find answers. That's a dangerous thing to do, by the way, because when you start going inward and trying to find answers on the inside of you, you are going to find something that's not of God. Whenever you're going inside yourself to find answers, there's always room for deception. There's all and there's always room to, for you to think that you're hearing the voice of God when you're hearing your own voice and you're ascribing the, your own thoughts to God's thoughts. And just because we're in Christ or have the mind of Christ, which we will talk about that here also in just a moment, just because you have the mind of Christ does not mean that you think just like Jesus does at that very moment. Having the mind of Christ has to do with being a believer in Christ and you having the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And because of that, you are able to understand the word and and therefore you're able to understand the ways of God, because the the word is illuminated to you and you now have the mind of Christ. But you'll hear that presented in different ways because of Christian mysticism. So I wanted to play one uh, clip for you from Krista Alicia, and I'm going to play a second one after that. Again, this is something just to kind of have as an example to show you about her Uh, the consistency in some of the things that she believes. I do believe that she more along the lines of being a Christian mystic. I came across this clip recently where she was talking about an an encounter with the Lord. So let's take a listen to that for just a a minute or two.
2: Hey friends, this is Krista Alicia. And I just wanted to hop on here for a second to just share a quick word of prophetic encouragement for you. So today, when I was spending time with the Lord, I went into a vision and in this vision, Jesus knelt down and he began to wash my feet. He started speaking to me and he said, Krista, you're about to step into a whole new season of your life. He said, you need to let go of the dust from the past and walk into this with a fresh new pep in your step.
0: Now, let me stop there for a second because yeah, I know you can't see this, but this is from a social media post that she did. And she has on her video in the caption it says, "Jesus says, come have a spa day in the spirit with me and let me wash away your worries." So I want to also put that on there, again, not to make fun or to belittle. This is a prime example of Christian mysticism, of saying, Jesus said this to me, and then it's almost like this romanticized type, again, focusing on intimacy with Christ, which we can have fellowship and intimacy with God, but it's not what we think it is. We've romanticized it in a worldly way, and we've really tried to take the, the deification out of God. We've tried to bring him down to our level. And I'd, again, that may not be an intentional thing to do, but that's what's happening is that when we start to romanticize God in this way, it then becomes, well, you know, Jesus is doing these things, which you're going to hear her continue to elaborate in this. And again, I say this because I have such compassion compassion. I hear so much of myself in, when I was in this movement, in Krista, in some of the things that she's saying. And so this is why I, I want to address this and to also continue to to please tell you, please pray for her, for those that are following her. Please continue to keep her in prayer that God would illuminate her understanding of scripture. There's things that she says that sound correct in other videos that I've listened to, to a certain point. However, there's things like this that are really concerning. There is this push towards this, the mystical approach, and then her understanding of sin and repentance to, in the biblical understanding of it. Let me just continue on. I wanted to let you know what the screen said and we'll keep going from here.
2: He said you're also going to need to learn how to walk differently in this season than you walked in the last season because the elevation is higher. So I'm washing off the old season so that you can step into the new. Then he finished washing my feet and uh, it was like I was in a shampoo bowl like at a hair salon, and I just felt Jesus uh, sing over me, and as he was singing over me, his words came out like living water, and it began to um, drench my hair and my face and wash off uh, all the stress, all the anxiety, Um, I was feeling very overwhelmed today before I got into my secret place. And he said, Krista, not only are you going to have to change the way that you walk, but you're going to have to change the way that you think moving into this next season. He said, "Um, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge me and I will make your path straight. So the knowledge of Jesus... And what is his will for us in situations? And listening to his instructions and to his word will give us wisdom to keep us on the straight and narrow path in this next season.
0: I want you to catch something, too, is that there is the reference to, that was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, when there there is references sometimes in, in these mystical ways of referring to Scripture. And sometimes there may be some partial truths in there, that there is some, some truth of some validity of what that means, for example, for that Scripture. But it also is used in such a way to find, again, extra biblical or hidden knowledge or revelation in these scriptures. And I also want to make a point, too, that uh, one thing you'll catch when when people are saying things like this that are going in this way and dabbling in such things as mysticism is when they say you need to meditate on his word, you need to hear his word you know a good question to ask would be what do you mean by that do you mean by the written word of god or do you mean the the fresh word that he's giving you because I, there's another source i'm going to share with you here in a little bit from another book that a lady wrote several years ago, and she writes it from a perspective of God speaking to her. And there's something that she says that is quite troubling that she says in there about the Word of God. So, you know, that's another thing to consider. When some people say the Word, you need to, you need to ask or get clarity on that when they say, well, you need to be sure to hear the Word of God. What do you mean by that? Do you mean the written Word of God, the Word that we know that is God-breathed, that um, that the Holy Spirit carried men along, and He helped them to write the Scriptures? Are you talking about the, the God-breathed Word that is profitable for our instruction, for our correction, for our reproving us and rebuking us and training us up in righteousness? Are you talking about the God-breathed Word, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, the complete canon of Scripture that is to be used for us to understand the ways of God, and that we can have intimacy and fellowship with God By reading his word and understanding his ways and wanting his word written on our hearts, what word are you talking about? So that would be a good thing to to ask or to get clarity on when you hear somebody say that because there could be people that are saying that and when they say word, they mean the fresh word that God gives you in Revelation when you go in the secret place. And please don't ask me where the secret place is because nobody can answer that. It's this, again, this mystical type thing when people talk about this intimate thing that you do in the secret place with God, this quiet type that you get away with god there is no like physical designation of a secret place but it's this this way of speaking that almost makes you sound more spiritual if you will this uh again this elitist type talk this this verbiage that we have of going where we're going to the secret place and i say that again not to be belittling belittling this is how i used to talk going to the secret place and having on this personal in this personal encounter and revelation with god let's keep going
2: And then he also was just running his fingers through my hair and he was, I just got this impression that he was just washing away all my worries, all my anxiety, all my questions and was just rinsing me clean and refreshing me. And uh, then he just began to kiss my forehead and remind me that he was pierced in the head for my peace of mind. And friends, I just wanted to hop on here
0: today because... Okay, I got to stop with that right there because when she said that in that clip, th- this is not correct as far as what scripture says because he was pierced for our transgressions. And that's not talking about his head. When Isaiah 53, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, for our sin, This is the reason why he was pierced. Uh, The crown of thorns, which is referencing in Genesis with the curse on the ground, that Jesus was fulfilling the curse that was spoken over even the earth, The the thorns and the thistles that when Adam would have to work by the sweat of his brow and that he would be working against... Uh, thorns and thistles this is all of this is type and shadows again of of pointing to christ and then when we see jesus on the cross the the crown of thorns is addressing genesis 3 and it's helping us to see that he's the answer to the curse that's on man and on the world that we know that there will be a new heavens and new earth and that he will come and that he will make all things new so when she said that and again this whole running his fingers through her hair and Cleansing her with just this water and just different things she's talking about there. It really, it hit home for me because of how I used to talk again. This is a romanticizing of Jesus and bringing him down to our level and saying we want to make it more personable and make it more intimate and making it more one-on-one. But the argument could be made that you can also gain fellowship and and draw closer to God, draw near to God by prayer worshiping, reading His Word, fellowshipping with other believers by attending a local church and being under a local body of believers and to to where you're um, receiving the Word of God, that you're being fed, that you're being taught, and that you're staying in the Word yourself because you want to grow closer to God and you want to know Him and understand His ways. That's intimacy, too, and I I think a lot of times, unfortunately, Bible reading has been basically looked down upon as, oh, that's boring, That's just so mundane, you know, those people that just read the Bible, and they just, they don't have all this ambiance to set the atmosphere, and they don't have all this personal uh, revelation. They're just dead. It's really a diminishing of the word that's been given to us, that's God's word. Uh, If we have a low view of Scripture, then how can we have a high view of God? Because Scripture is testifying of Christ, and if we don't value that written word, Then why are we valuing extra biblical revelation that is supposed to be from God? People seem like they crave more of a fresh revelation than they do the actual word that's written. So there's so many different aspects of that. I would I would encourage all of us to, to look at the Bible in a different light and not just look at it as something mundane or you can't draw close to God. You can't draw near to God just from reading scripture. Yes, you can. Because every time you read scripture, it is God speaking to you. That is God speaking. You don't have to wonder, well, is that God? Is that still small voice God? Is that internal voice God? Again, there is no example in scripture of someone hearing an internal voice whenever they heard the voice of god it was external and it was not god having to tap into some special frequency in order to talk to you if god wants to talk to somebody he's going to do it because he's god <laughs> you know it's not this thing of well maybe god can't speak to me because i'm just hard of hearing and i'm just not got i'm just not doing what i'm supposed to be doing uh, he's god And he's not waiting on you to do anything. He can do whatever he wants to do because he's God. (laughs) So I hope that that helps us um, to kind of wake us up out of this thing of going, well, God's really just what he can't do anything until I do something because, you know, I have to do this and this. And if I'm not praying the right way, or if I'm not worshiping the right way, or if I'm not passionate enough, then God, then I can't hear the voice of God. Where does it say that in the Bible? This should bring freedom to you today. So then, the next clip I want to share with you was an interview that she did on Elijah Streams, and um, I came across this and I thought it would be helpful when she talks about you are hearing God more than you think. So there's just a little bit of this we're gonna we're going to listen to in this interview.
2: You might not have like a real clear. I think a lot of people think that the voice of God comes in like this loud, audible voice that comes from outside of you or that it comes from like, you know, we hear the still small voice. A lot of times it's just a prompting and a gentle impression, you know, that leads us and guides us from the center of our being from our belly, you know, um, other times it's, um, it's inspiration that pops up into our mind. We, the Bible says clearly that those who are in Christ now have the mind of Christ. And so we can receive and know his perceptions and his thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so if he's in us and he's, he's going to sound like our thoughts, Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a difference between uh, communicating with Jesus inside of us, the spirit inside of us, and then actually um, engaging in the spirit realm. That's two different things. But every believer, you know, it's our portion. Jesus said that my sheep will know my voice and another they will not follow. That's right. and, and so,
0: by the way, that is it's in the it's in John 10. And that is a salvation passage that does not have anything to do with us hearing the voice of God for ourselves in an external way so that we can have secret knowledge and hidden knowledge about God.
2: That's what I would say. I would say if you are having a hard time hearing God and, but you've been able to hear him in the past, your heart is probably cluttered and it needs cleansed and, you know, find space and time for him Um, to just go back to simple devotion, go back to your first love, go back to the things that you used to do when you first fell in love with them, pray, read your Bible, worship, you know, um, ask him to expose if there's anything in you, like any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any hurt, any disappointment.
0: I'll stop right there. She goes on to talk about how to be cleansed, how to uh, remedy yourself of unforgiveness, so that way you can have a better uh, understanding of hearing the voice of God for yourself. But the question is, what what happens to those believers who have never heard the voice of God for themselves? Does that mean that they're less than? Does that, does that mean that they that their heart's too cluttered to hear? And there's many. There's many people out there that can say that they've never heard the voice of God they've never either audibly heard the voice of God or they've never thought well that must that was God speaking to me does that mean that there's a bunch of Christians out there walking around with cluttered up hearts and that's why they can't hear the voice of God? This places a lot of unnecessary pressure on people that if they don't hear the voice of God then there's something wrong with them. When you could easily open up the Bible and read a passage and you could say, "Yes, I heard the I've, I've heard his voice." John 10:27, that's a passage that is very near and dear to my heart because that was one of the that was one of the scriptures that That was, I've said before, was misappropriated when I heard it a few years ago out of context. But it was the very scripture because God's word does not return null and void. It serves the purpose that is intended to do that verse in spite of the fact of how it was used was one of the verses that was used to wake me up out of deception, and I thank the Lord for that because it was such a comfort to know in that moment that I was one of God's sheep, and I did hear His voice through the Word of God. See, that's the thing that's discounted a lot of times is that we think, well, we must hear the voice of God or the Word of We must hear, hear God outside of Scripture. Because then we know that we're growing in the Lord. Then we know that we're really uh, developing our intimacy with God. But if there's someone that's never heard the voice of God, just because they've never heard the voice of God doesn't mean that they're any less close to God than you are. They could be closer for all you know, because there could be deception in that. And again, when we're going inward, that it always opens up the door for deception to come in. Now, Krista mentioned something that I wanted to touch on for just a moment, because she talked about having the mind of Christ. And she, she was talking about intimacy and such with the Lord, in, even in these two clips. And I want to just say this, that true intimacy with Christ is not for a select few. It is for every believer. We can find intimacy with the Lord or fellowship with him, draw near to God through this in times of prayer, as I've said, reading and studying the word of God, worship, fellowshipping with other Christians. These are all vital in the life of a believer. These are not to be diminished or discounted or looked down upon. But these are fundamental to the life of a believer. And this is not something that you go back to and, and say, well, I just, this is just the basics, like training wheels, I'm, and she didn't say that. But there are some people that will look at it as, the, well, they're training wheels. You know, you just need to go back and, you know, pray, and you need to give. But you need to, um, you know, just pray. You need to get back to the Word. You know, go back to the things that you once loved. Well, that's all well and good, but as a believer, you're never called to not do those things. That's the thing. That's part of your intimacy with Christ. That's part of your fellowship with God, is continually prayer. What is it? the scripture tells. you? us do, pray without ceasing. It tells us to meditate on His Word, to have it written on our hearts that we are to not forsake the gathering of the assembly, according to Hebrews 10, that we are to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. We are to praise God. We are to do all of these things because we belong to Him and we want to grow in our fellowship with Him and grow in our relationship with Him and grow in spiritual maturity to be led by the Holy Spirit to understand the ways of God and that we are pleased to him and all that we do. That's part of our relationship. And when she said that we have the mind of Christ, that we're able to understand his perceptions, I would I would like to ask the question, what do you mean by that? To say that we have the mind of Christ and that that his, whatever thoughts we have as believers, those are his thoughts, that's not true. His ways are not our ways. The word even tells us that, you know, we make the, uh, in Psalms it talks about that we make the, the error in thinking that God thinks like we do, and he doesn't. And so to think automatically, well, I'm a Christian and I hear the voice of God, and So whatever thoughts I'm having, those are God's thoughts. Again, that is dangerous. You're going inward. You're going within. I was going within and thinking I was hearing the voice of God. And there were things I was saying that was contradicting scripture. And also it was putting my words on par with scripture. And that's not okay. That's why I pulled that book. Speaking of putting words on par with Scripture or diminishing the power of the Word of God, there is this book by Wendy Alec. It's called Journal of the Unknown Prophet. Wendy Alec was one of the co-founders of God TV, if you're familiar with God TV. And on page 84 of her book, she talks about this one area where God is giving this message to the teachers, and it's a quickening. It begins on page 83 with the message to the teachers. He gave a message to all the five-fold ministry in this book according to her. This is a pretty thick book, so there's a lot of revelation in here that she says is from God. She says it was given to her during a 10-day period in November of 1999 that she received a visitation from the Lord Jesus Christ, and he spoke of mercy. He warned of judgment on the world's trading systems, on the media, upon the church, and he wept. So on page 84, this message to the teachers, this is Jesus speaking. He says, for the word alone is yesterday's manna, and even they have seen in deep in their hearts that it is no longer enough to feed my sheep. And so it is that I will now raise my teachers, that now they will come forth, and in this new season they will blossom like a rod that had no bud, and they shall stand before the congregations, and I shall start to pour upon them the supernatural, that my word in this season shall be confirmed by my Spirit." I want you to notice something. She said, For the word alone is yesterday's manna, and even they have seen deep in their hearts that it is no longer enough to feed my sheep. Um, That is troubling. That statement just alone in this book is troubling because that is a diminishing of the written word of God. And again, when people say, We value God's word. I would beg the question what do you mean by that? Do you mean that you value the written word, or are you saying that you value the fresh manna, the fresh revelation that is outside the confines of scripture that may be even contradicting scripture? And if it agrees with scripture, then why do we need it when we already have the written word of God? And why do we need confirmation that God speaks when we already have the written word of God? These are all questions to ask. Now, is it possible that God could speak through dreams, that God could speak through visions? It is possible because God can do anything that he wants. And we should be aware of the subjective nature of feelings and spiritual impressions, I say this as well. There were things that happened to me. There were dreams that I had and visions that I had. There were things that happened to me a week prior, some dreams that I had a week prior to everything unraveling for me. I still don't have an explanation for those, and I'm okay with that. I, I used to sit and mull over dreams for weeks to months at a time trying to figure them out and getting really distracted by those things. And now I've come to realize that those dreams, regardless of where they Were they from God? Were they not from God? I don't know. Could they have been warning dreams? They most certainly could have been. But regardless, it doesn't matter. The dreams didn't save me. Christ saved me. And the experiences, the spiritual experiences, do not mark me as a Christian. The atonement of Christ on the cross and what he did on my behalf to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, to save me from the wrath of God, to give me the promise of eternal life and to make me a co-heir with Christ— and to to clothe me in his righteousness and to make me new and to to rescue me and redeem me and reconcile me that's what marks me as a christian i don't have to have another experience again to feel like i'm saved or to know that i'm a believer in christ i believe what christ did on the cross is sufficient and that's what marks me as a christian and i'm solid in that my foundation is firm in that and I'm at peace with that. And that's, and that's a great place. That's, there's no other better place for me to be than in that place of knowing that's what saves me. That's what marks me as a believer in Christ. Not anything else marks me as a believer in Christ. Because anybody else, even out, outside of Christianity, can have these experiences and can have extra biblical revelation or think that they can hear the voice of God. That does not mark them as a Christian Now, I want to talk about this real quick. There were uh, several dangers in this one article I found on crosswalk.com that an author had shared that were several dangers to mysticism and this uh, author had talked about that mystics tended to interpret scripture allegorically and they were often given to fanciful ideas about the meaning and application of the written word mysticism they said often fails to place proper emphasis on divine transcendence by placing extreme emphasis on God's eminence. another issue that they came uh, that they addressed that were that was a danger of mysticism was that they can sometimes grant religious authority to their experience. It said, It is possible in the mystics' pursuit of visionary revelation to grant religious authority to one's experience rather than to Scripture alone. All subjective states of mind and emotion must be brought under the searchlight of the objective principles of God's written word, At its worst, mysticism has led some to conclude that because of the depths of intimacy they experience with God, that objective revelation is no longer essential. It can be discarded in favor of immediacy of communion and communication with God. This is perhaps one of mysticism's more serious flaws. Says Without denying the reality of their having heard from God, there is simply no escaping the fact that many of the mystics made grandiose claims regarding the frequency and depth of their revelatory experiences. Another danger is that the mystics can lose sight of distinction between creator and creature. And we saw this in the example I gave early on in the podcast about the panentheism, uh, the panentheistic belief that is uh, evident in Richard Rohr's beliefs on his website, even talking about Christian mystics mystics. Anti-electualism is common in mysticism. There's a tendency, according to this author, uh, among many mystics to denigrate the role of the mind in spiritual growth and for love for God. It's a common feature of many varieties of mysticism. You'll hear this too. You know, people will say, you think too much. You know, you need to just th- you need go with your heart. You, you know, don't overthink it. Don't overanalyze it. Almost making it seem uh, evil or bad to have ed- intellectualism or critical thinking or to reason when we are called to do that as Christians. We need to be doing that and we can also still do that and grow in our fellowship with God. And then lastly the best thing for us to end with is scripture. So a couple of passages that we can go to and I've heard this one particular passage uh, quoted in such a way that it really denigrates people for telling them that they're not being innocent that they've lost their innocence and because they ask questions or they're pharisaical and such. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6, is essentially dealing with wisdom from the Spirit. And it's talking about the distinction between believers and non-believers, those that are carnal or those that have not received the Spirit and those that are believers in Christ that have received the Spirit. Verse 6 says in First Corinthians 2, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Now this is, again, this is not some Gnostic or mystic type of revelation, this secret and hidden wisdom of God, we're going to see, it'll tell us as we go on. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So this is talking about the gospel. The mystery and the secret is the gospel. And this has been revealed to those who are believers in Christ. It is no longer veiled. It is no longer hidden from those who are in Christ. We understand the gospel. For those that are truly in Christ and are believers, this is not a secret anymore. God has revealed this secret to us by his spirit. Verse 10 These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. When we say those who are spiritual, this does not mean mystics. (laughs) This is not what this is talking about. Being spiritual are those who are born again, who are saved. Who understand the spiritual truths in spiritual language, they are able to interpret them. Believers, verse fourteen: the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, this scripture will be used by some to say, "Well, you know, you're being like a Pharisee, or you're being—you have a religious spirit, and so this is why you can't receive those things." The natural person is referring to those who are carnal and unbelievers. They have not received the Spirit of God, therefore they cannot receive the gospel. They cannot receive the truth about God, which is a deep revelation, by the way. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So that is the context of that scripture. It is not to say, well, whatever thoughts I have, those are God's thoughts. That's not what that means. When we have the mind of Christ, we are able to comprehend his ways, to comprehend what his word means, to be led by his spirit, to understand the ways of God according to scripture and to know how to walk in such ways because we are, not any, we are no longer natural, carnal people. We are spiritual people because we belong to God. We have been born again. We have been redeemed. We have been regenerated. We've been reconciled, so we're no longer of this world, we're not affiliated with those in the world any longer. We're of those that are co-heirs with Christ, we're children of God now, no longer children of wrath so that's that's the distinction there, and then the last one I want to share with you today is Second Peter chapter one, verses three through eight. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is addressing believers in Christ here. We see in the very beginning of this letter, it says, To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's addressing it to other believers, and he's reminding them of their calling, of what God has saved them to, and what they have now become a part of. This again helps us to see when we read scripture, when we meditate, not empty our heads, but when we meditate and ponder and chew and metaphorically digest the word of God, when we're when we're eating it and we're feasting on it and we're understanding what his word really means and that it is doing an inward work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's changing us and conforming us to the image of Christ because we understand his ways. Every time we read his word, we understand who he is and we want to please him more and more, not to earn favor with him because we can't not to merit anything from him, but because we love him and we want to fellowship with him. And you don't have to hear the internal, voice of God. You don't have to hear an audible voice in order to have intimacy with Christ. You don't have to have to have some sort of mystical encounter, and so you know someone could argue that Christians are supposed to be mystical, if you will, just to a certain point. Meaning that we are supposed to have that drawing near to God, that relationship with the Lord. There is something supernatural about our relationship because we are turned into a new creation, and it's a creation, a new creation we can't see with our own eyes yet, but yet by faith we understand that that's true. Because of Christ dying for us and also resurrecting, we understand that we have the glorious promise of eternal life. We live in a now and not yet. And so we trust in that. We, we trust in that. We have faith in Christ that he has saved us, he's redeemed us, and we trust him in that. But that doesn't mean that we have to be in this mystical sense of that we must hear internally the voice of God or externally the voice of God or we've got to have some sort of special revelation or some dream or some vision because if we don't have all these things, then we really don't know God. That could really be proven to be works-based again. Because if we're relying on everything that we look inward to find the answers and then we're relying on uh, experiences, personal experiences we have in order to make sure that we do know God then we're not really trusting in the Lord. There's, no, there's not faith there to trust in the Lord, to know I, I belong to Him. I don't need all these extra things to, to say that I belong to Him. They don't save me. He saved me. He marks me. He is the one that identifies me as His own. And I can just rest in that. That's comforting, and it's glorious, and it's wonderful, and it's good news. So I hope this has helped you today. I hope that this may have shed some light. And it's certainly uh, humbling for me to have to to share some of the errors that I walked in. But um, maybe it'll help somebody. Maybe it'll help bring pause and, and to have people start asking questions or going back to scripture to see what the word really has to say about that and to realize that there's not a hierarchy in the body of Christ. There's not these haves and have nots. And people that try to create this by saying that they've had these extra biblical revelations and personal experiences, I would strongly encourage you to evaluate those and test those against scripture because that is the ultimate standard and foundation we rest upon. So again, hope this was helpful. And I look forward to being with you here again on the next broadcast be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the word and loving the one who is the word. Jesus Christ, blessings to you.